Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Gromlich. What up, homie? Back at it. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, man. Back in studio Back in the saddle, with you. Taking... Don't, don't, I don't old, worry. No worry. Take that horse down old dirt road. Oh my gosh. I'm going to take my Stop. horse down the old okay. dirt road. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you tuned in yep. never again? <laughs> Dude, that. All right, tell us That sounds so good. No, no, it's not. It's, gar- it's, it's, it's like number one on the charts. Garbage, hot garbage, cold garbage. It's number one on the charts, baby. That doesn't mean anything. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Tell about the, so. So Rob comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, have you heard this like country song? that's like number one." Yeah. Which okay, one so thing, Rob need, never listens to country I was music. Say, you need to preface okay? it by letting everybody and I'm like, know. Why that is I am Rob not a listening to country music? So he plays this song called "Old Town Road." I think that's what it's called. And it's no, no country at all. Pure hip hop. And it's it's just it's, garbage. It's sung by. Lil Nas X or something like that. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. I have Apparently, that in my studio. Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus did like another rendition, and they termed that country because he has like four lines in the yeah, whole exactly. thing. It's terrible. Yeah, um, Lil Nas. Yeah, X. so I'm sure th- I'm saying that wrong, but it's L I L N A S. Lil Nas X. X. Maybe it's and ten. In my mind, maybe it's maybe he's the tenth. <laughs> yeah, I've, I must have just <laughs> missed the first nine. <laughs> but in my mind, if your name. Your artist name is Lil Nas X. Country music oh, is probably racist. the last you genre. You person. How would that you has know? nothing to do with race. Yeah, it could be white, black, Asian, Latino, whatever. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with race. Why? No. Yeah, it does. You, but here's there's the no thing. reason. Country music is it, probably the last thing that I'm thinking that you're going to do. Here's the point, though. Okay, One, my take on it is that these hip-hop artists sat in a studio and said, I bet you we can put a handful of country song words and a hip-hop song that's just terrible and country music fans will eat it up. And and they they totally did. And here's the thing. Those aren't country music fans. Those are country, hip-hop, crap music fans. Okay. Okay. Well, people who listen to country music radio stations or playlist station on Spotify, Pandora, whatever, they totally got hoodwinked because people are eating this song up and Neville keeps dropping this ball. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, and it is... Anyway, we don't want to talk about that, but it does tie how into what we're going to talk about, and that is discipleship. And that is... Um, how does that you, tie into what we're talking about? Well, if you let me segue here. Take that is, why is your social security card out on your table? It's not mine. It's Finley's. Uh, you should put that away somewhere safe. We, just, we went to find Will's birth certificate the other day, and I can't find it. hey <laughs> I don't know where it's at. <laughs> nice. That's good. I hope uh, my wife does. Anyway... Um, discipleship. Yeah, so like this song, people just start eating it up and they consume it and it shapes the way what they view as country music or what they view as good and it forms them, yeah. right? And so the principle is that all Christians, especially all churches, are discipling people. They are making disciples. The question is what kind of disciple are they making? Mm. Mm. What are you eating there, bud? That's good. <laughs> I'm glad you called uh, <laughs> over to me. <laughs> what you got there? All right, take a bite. <laughs> We got some chocolate chip muffins. Oh, they're so good. Danielle made them. Fantastic. Thanks, Danielle. She'll never hear this because she never listens. (laughs) She doesn't listen. Scoundrel. Okay. Oh, scoundrel. So today we're talking about discipleship. Which is so broad. Yeah, it's pretty broad. That's okay. We'll flush it out. Yeah. We'll narrow it down. Okay. But anyway, give us a definition. Uh, The definition Rob has written down here is actively helping others follow Jesus. Whoa. Well, that shit, what went there? 
What is that? Easy, easy on the F sharps or the F sharps there, buddy. I don't know why this just popped up really loud, but it definitely just... Did something just kick in? I don't know. I'll check it out. Well, okay. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I need to step way back now. I was going to say. Okay, so... Can, you, can, we, can we adjust this? Maybe. Hold on. It's super hot. Test one, two. Still super loud. Anyway, why Rob's doing his audio technician stuff. Yeah. Discipleship, as you talk about, it's... The broadest sense of the word is helping, helping others follow Jesus mm-hmm. is like the as bad as broad as you can get. I personally would narrow it down to helping believers follow Jesus. I believe discipleship starts at or after conversion. Mm-hmm. At conversion, um, there's pre-discipleship work where you might be sharing the gospel with someone. You have a walk through scripture with them. You're talking, telling them about Christ and what He's done in your life. So there's some pre-discipleship, but I believe you can't start discipleship till after they're um, a believer. We have a, a saying in our group: "You can't disciple goats." Mm, and there you go. Tell they're a sheep. Yep, they're a goat. That's a good point. That's biblical. Yeah. There you go. But no, totally agree with you on that. So, um, when it comes to scripture, I'm sure we could point to a bunch of places, but the most most common, and honestly, the one that, really the only one that you need, is when Jesus is getting ready to ascend. It's at mm-hmm. the end of Matthew, uh, we're looking at Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, um, and Jesus has since resurrected there, they're on the mountain, and he's getting ready to tell his disciples, like, the final things before he goes, and... This is a side note. It's kind of cool. I don't know all the examples, but there's um, a lot of examples in Scripture where significant things happen in or on mountains. And so one of my professors was going over this one time, and you were talking about how, like, yeah, Abraham uh, received the Ten Commandments on a mountain. The Transfiguration happened on a mountain. Jesus was crucified on a mountain. And so uh, now Jesus, being resurrected, is now on a mountain, getting ready to tell his disciples this final thing. And whenever you tell somebody the f- your last words, that are obviously going to be very important words. Neville, what, what's going on, pal? What's going on? Mm, never two truer words were spoken, Rob. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Neville needs something. I don't know. Um, but here's what it says. Matthew 28, 18, or sorry, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Good stuff, man. Hey, so I want to make a clarification. You talked about this passage says to go and make disciples, and I was talking about how we don't disciple unbelievers. Yes, it's also clear we we don't make converts. We don't win people to Christ. We don't go soul winning. That's not our job. Our job is to evangelize, share the gospel, the good news of Christ, um, give people opportunities to respond to that and, and help guide them in their response. And then there's the regeneration work, the salvation, the adoption. That's all Christ's work for them. And then once they're believers when they're regenerated they're adopted in they're saved we disciple them to become more like christ but i love this passage the end of matthew this whole narrative of christ then he's the last thing he tells his people is go therefore make disciples of all nations yeah um and acts 1 8 says that the holy spirit will come upon you and you'll be my disciples or, or what's the passage make disciples in all nations jerusalem judea to Samaria than the ends of the earth. Yeah. Like that's what we're to do, and, and the Holy Spirit empowers, empowers us for that work. So the, the way that's done, right, is just by making disciples of my neighbors. 
and then they'll eventually make disciples of their neighbors and it'll eventually get to the, the ends of the earth. I mean, if every person <laughs> made a disciple of every one of their neighbors, that would work. Boom. But that doesn't happen. Oh, <laughs> shoot. No, so because of this, we have people who, who, stay, like, who, who do go to the ends of the earth and then everywhere in between. Yeah. So we talk about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You know, your Jerusalem is where you're at, your people, your town. Um, Ju- Judea, Judea is the place that's a little further away, a little bit of a culture shift, but still a lot like you. Then Samaria is when you're finally you're crossing some cultural barriers. So for for us, I mean, that could be going down to Appalachia or going down, you know, to maybe inner city work. That where you're mm-hmm. actually. It's a different culture. Yeah. It's a cro- cult- crossing a cultural line and then to the ends of the earth. And that is where Christ has called us and desires to deploy us out to make disciples, not just to um, build a congregation. You know, the, the point is if, if you start gathering disciples, you'll have the church. Mm. It's not the other way around. You don't start just building a building and having services and then, and then you get people in and you have a church. No, you have believers who are gathering together. Um, and that's how you formed the church. Yeah, yeah. And and I also want, want to point out, you did a really good job pointing out bulk of the material there, but also that it's not just about um, getting them to come to church. It's not just about getting them to uh, make a profession of faith, mm-hmm. but it's also discipleship. Also, it has to include teaching them to observe what God has commanded yeah. and to obey those things. And so people like really get a little cautious about that because they don't want to come across as legalistic. Yeah. They want to make sure that, oh, yeah, like, uh, yes, you are saved by grace and by grace alone. Mm. But I mean, like James said, a faith that has no works is it's a true. dead right. faith. Yep. And so there has to be a fully formed disciple of Jesus. Someone who is following Jesus is following Jesus's teachings. And yes. Jesus being fully God and fully man, it's not just, oh, whatever's written in red, I'm going to follow. Right. It's all of God's word. Which essentially is all written in red. Exactly. <laughs> That's why a lot of people don't like red letter Bibles, because yeah. they say, well, it seems to give higher emphasis to what Jesus said when yeah. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so if it's all God's word, then the right. red letters don't necessarily mean anything more you, important than the black letters. How do you feel about red letter Bibles? So I agree, and, and I sympathize with the argument that I just made. Yeah. However, I do like the red letters because it's easier to find. Yeah. Well, it's easier to follow the narrative yeah. of who's talking. That's exactly. the reason I like it. Yep. Especially with, with new believers, or people who are not uh, very scriptural, literate, or their literacy for scripture is lower. But yeah. to that point, you talked about James chapter 2 and how um, James 2 faith is, I believe, but I don't do anything about it. Like, it says... The demons believe in shudder. At least they have that respect. Like we are to be a people who believe and then do. And we, we try to really make a distinction here where our works do not save us. They are not the root of our salvation. They are simply the fruit. That if our salvation is in Christ, these will be the outpourings. Um, it's not like we do those things to have our salvation in Christ. And with discipleship, you said we have to be teaching people the scriptures, and a big chunk of that is discipleship. Like mm-hmm. You go then live this out, and that doesn't mean just sitting in a pew on Sunday. Yeah. So, or does it? It's part of it, and that's oh. what we're getting into right now. Nice but, segue. Yes, but to wrap up before I, I really didn't mean to segue. I'm sorry. Can okay, you, then you then you do your thing. I'm just saying, like people think you sit in a pew on Sunday, you're you're in discipleship, and you're good. Yeah, and then a part of that, and part of there is some discipleship. Is there. discipleship is sitting under good teaching 
as the body um, on the Lord's Day or in a gathering of the church. Yeah. However, it's so much more than that. Yes. So we would talk about the difference between active and passive Mm -hmm. discipleship. And so what what we just described, sitting in the Sunday gathering, singing songs that reflect the gospel, praying prayers that reflect what God has done for us, rejoicing in the gospel, hearing the gospel preached, and taking part in the ordinances like the Lord's Supper and baptism that reflect the gospel outwardly. All of those things are part of our discipleship process. We see those things, and we get to see them and and better understand them more and more and more, and it's going to make us more of a uh, disciple of Jesus. However, those things happen almost passively as we mm-hmm. gather, as we are in proximity. And so we, uh, at, by all means, want to say, yes, that kind of discipleship has to be happening. However, we do not want to say that that fills in for more active discipleship. Right. And Rick, if you want to go ahead and jump in on um, what you would view, and I think you and I are on the yeah. same page here, as active discipleship compared to passive. Yeah, and and pa- just no passive can have a, a negative connotation, and we don't mean that negatively. We just mean one: you're more receiving, um, you're listening, you're you're contemplating under those teaching models, and then active means there's a little more engagement and interaction or leadership on your part. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I don't want to put like a, a percentage like, hey, you should do passive, ten percent, and active, ninety yeah. percent. But a big chunk of your discipleship really should be active. It should be you. Um, one, you digging into the Word on your own, learning how to follow Christ. There's that piece, but we're talking broad. Like, you need to be with other people, either pouring into other people, or well, for sure, pouring into other people, and then having people pour into you. Now, yeah. the way we lay this out, it can seem very idealistic. Like, well, like, in a perfect world, that would work, but it's so hard in today's um culture to be pouring into someone and then have the time for someone to pour into you and then do church and then you know have your family and do all these other things but one we would say this probably should be the highest priority on your time yeah outside of your kids soccer and um you know or your club thing you do or whatever like more important than those things than those things however all those things yes can be used for redemptive purposes to evangelize you, you need to be around lost people and all that stuff absolutely but you need to be um, pouring into people, meaning sitting down with a brother if you're a guy or a sister if you're a gal, going through the Word together, praying together, helping someone learn how to to understand and, and read Scripture, how to have a prayer life, what it looks like to, to walk through hard things with the Lord, um, how to be in community, yeah. and just kind of scraping the surface. But all these things that we just assume Christians are doing or we just assume people know how to do, but there's no one actually like shoulder to shoulder going with you showing you how to do the, the these things and what happens is people don't do them and then they feel ashamed and they feel guilty for not doing it and so they can create a facade like they are but they're not mm-hmm. and it creates um, can create a stagnant spiritual walk so active is, is being very intentional to, to pour into mentor walk alongside of other believers to help them become more like Christ and as you're doing that for other people, hopefully you have people who are pouring into you as well. Yeah. Mark Dever in his book, uh, Discipling, just a small book, um, talks about how we should be actively discipling somebody and then also actively be being discipled by somebody else. 
And, and to note, that's going to look different as you as you get older. As we talk in our church plant, like there is an initial, initial discipleship process we really want to work hard to develop. So if someone comes to Christ, th- that first three to six months, maybe a year, we have very clear processes to help them be, kind of learn how to walk. What is this whole Christianity thing? How do I, what's the Bible, how to read it? All, all these things that we don't want to take for granted and we really want to show our people how to do. So we talk about that initial discipleship and then ongoing discipleship. And initial discipleship is much more intense because just like a new baby, you, you need to be with them almost constantly showing them how to do these things and how to walk, how to feed themselves and how to grow. And hey, don't touch that. You'll get burnt. Stay over away from, you know, th- those kinds yeah, of things. Don't eat that. Yeah. Yeah. So have you guys already like fleshed out a document on that? It's not done yet. Okay. So, how, I mean, if some listeners are interested in like, hey man, like I, I would love to implement that. Yeah. Is that something that you think you'll have done in the next few months or yeah. is that something? Yeah. Well, okay. done by the next month or so. Okay, sweet. Let me know when you have it done. Yeah. And maybe we can put it on the website. Sure thing. Cool. I, mean, I know you, everyone knows the guy, Jimmy Alexander. Yeah, we did. He's helping develop that, a lot of that as our yeah. discipleship pastor. Very nice. So, um, I, we, you and I kind of worked on a discipleship mm-hmm. little thing as well. I, I created something you looked at over it, gave some suggestions, I made some tweaks, and I, I'm still working on that as well, but we'll try and make that available too. Um, so if it's, if it's a benefit to somebody, hopefully it can help you guys implement some discipleship models within your church. So anyway, the, that book that I referenced by Mark Dever mm-hmm. uh, is on discipling. Very easy book. If any of you are familiar with Nine Marks, it's a ministry that we get a lot of uh, benefit from, um, not financial or anything like that, just theologically. They pay us big dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, no, they just produce a lot of really good material that we've benefited greatly from. Um, thank you, Nine Marks. Yeah, thank you very, very much. And this is a small blue book, and just on the front, it says, Discipling, it says, How to Help Others Follow Jesus. I'm trying to see how many pages this bad boy is. Let's see, yes, the appendix, conclusion, 113 pages, and... 113 pages is a very small book. However, it's even smaller than a typical 113-page book because this book is like half the size of normal size books. So it's a, I mean, really small book, big font, really easy to read, highly recommend it. But in this book, it talks about some of the things that discipleship requires. Mm-hmm. And so the first one that it says, and this is, these are things that as you think about how to go about discipling others and how you go about um, being discipled by somebody else, these are things just to have on your radar that are things that are going to be necessary mm-hmm. for effective discipleship. So yeah. the first one is that discipleship takes time, yes. which you would think would be obvious, but we live in a, in a culture that is like instant gratification. Mm-hmm. So Netflix, Hulu, I mean, Prime... Amazon Prime, get it within two days. Uh, or Prime Now, Amazon yeah. Prime, get it like within two hours. Like everything is instant, instant, instant. And so the idea of discipleship taking... Instagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the idea, thank you for that. <laughs> that one just click. Is that why? <laughs> so that's why they call it Instagram. <laughs> Light bulbs are going off everywhere. Oh, fuses are popping. Um, so the idea of, of thinking... Oh, shoot, so this is going to be an 18-month process mm-hmm. of us walking together. And like I know of churches that say, like, hey, this discipleship program is going to be a minimum 18 months. Other right. churches say it's going to be a minimum of two years, and you have to pay an upfront cost to provide so that we can buy all the material for you because you're going to go through a lot of material. And so we're going to get through the rest of the things that discipleship churches, requires. they really do that? 
Yeah, I know of one. Like it's like a thousand dollar commitment. Shut up. Because it's like two years and it, they get all kinds of material for you. And hey, it's our job to disciple you as a church. Give us a thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. That, that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, that's ridiculous. It wasn't a church where I was ever approached to do that, but regardless, um, some churches do that because they are get, providing you with a lot of material, like big systematic books and other books to read as a group. But whatever. Like there, there are different you want me processes. To comment on that? <laughs> feel free. No. <laughs> I think people know don't, how I feel. I was gonna say, don't get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are in a similar boat. However, uh, um, the the point is, is that it's going to take time. Yeah, this is not something that you're going to all of a sudden decide to become a a person yeah. who's discipling others or being discipled by somebody, and in two weeks you're going to go from zero to ten. Right. And I think there's two ways to think about it. Usually a new believer, they grow like a new baby. They grow quickly. Uh, hopefully their their appetite for the war, word is, is rich, and they have a lot of time. And so in those initial months, you should hopefully see a lot of growth um, just in their knowledge. The hard part about it is deep work, Christ changing your heart work takes time. And that's, I mean, you think about your own life, how long, I mean, I think about my life in just the last 10 years, like it's been a slow process, but the Lord is so faithful, but it's it's slow. And so we need to be patient with discipleship. We don't need to be patient with sin in our life. Let me be clear about that. That is a good distinction. But we need to be patient with the process of seeing people become more like Christ. And the danger of, what was that? Robin and Steltzer water again. That's right. Ed Steltzer water. This one's Steltzer. This isn't Bella V. Um, They're all knockoffs of LaCroix anyway. Yeah. Secondhand stuff. But uh, just discipleship and the time it takes. And that we need to be careful not thinking, hey, I have a program. Yeah, we have a program. Everyone goes through our program. And we have this. And everyone just we pump people through. And we just put a check. Like, yep, they're discipled. They're discipled. The question is, are they becoming more like Christ? Are you are you helping them in that process? And so, yes, as we're as we're going through at Proclamation Church, like you have to go through a process of figure, figuring out what is discipleship, how's that function, but at the same time, you, you need to be careful that you're not just labeling a program discipleship. A program can can facilitate part of that, but it's not the whole thing. And yeah. churches, and homes, families, individuals need to be seeking a culture of discipleship. This is like, this is just what people do, like. You're part of our, our our family here. This is what we do. We disciple people. Yeah. What's your next step in yeah. becoming a more fully exactly. born follower of Jesus? So the first one was discipleship takes time. Mm-hmm. Discipleship yep. requires study. Mm. It does. Did I do that wrong? Wrong? You laughed no. at me. No, I said, mm. "Give me a smirk." So over. that's a good good job. Don't oh, shoot it. rubber oh. bands at me. I'm glad that hurt you. Finger. Anyway, discipleship requires study. Um, and I'm gonna get. We're gonna get down this. Our last point, but it does require study. It does require us getting into the word, um, thinking through things. What's this mean? How does it apply? I don't know what that means. You go look it up. I don't know what this scripture means. There's a Crawford. You you get in and you study the word. You study. You you read other people's books. Um, read people that are good that you that people you trust trust. Yeah. Um, you can't read everything, and you shouldn't read everything because because you can't. And the primary thing is that you're reading Scripture. You're reading Scripture. You're memorizing Scripture. You're hiding it in your heart, and you're reading it. And it's, again, a slow process, but the more you study, the more you just get into the Word of God, you apply the Scriptures to your heart, you pray through the passages, 
over time, not right away, but over the months and the years, you'll begin to get this much fuller view of Scripture, and it'll um, just encourage you and bless you, and you'll be feasting on the Word. Yeah, absolutely. So first one being discipleship takes time. Second one, discipleship requires study. study. Nice, that was loud. Um, and the last, or the, not the last one, the third one, there are four from here, discipleship requires prayer. And so just as Rick was talking about earlier, like we cannot make a convert. We can't change someone's heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, figuratively speaking, like, like scripture talks about. Only God can do that. Look, if there's an apple tree out there, the, I can, I can go and I can take oranges and I can, I can, <laughs> no, there's no actual apple oh, trees okay. out there, Rick. Oh. <laughs> but I, I can go up there and I can, and I can tape oranges and all over that thing. Mm-hmm. And I can say, look, guys, there are oranges on this tree. It's an orange tree. Yeah. At the end of the day, unless the seed is changed, unless the, the I want to say DNA, but not really DNA, but you guys know what I'm talking about, about the tree. Like, unless that is changed, it's still going to produce apples and still going to be an apple tree. And so you, outward behavior modification, just doing things that look like Christians doesn't make you one. And that's we've already talked about that. We've hit on that thing. But at the end of the day, to become a disciple of Jesus and to help others in their discipleship process, prayer is essential because only God can do that work. We can do everything in our power to do it, but unless God, unless the Holy Spirit is working in our midst, in the lives of these people who we're trying to disciple, and even before that, in our own lives, then it's all going to be for nothing. Side note, looked it up. Trees do have DNA. Oh, do they? It says. Cool. Um, That's what they would call it. All living things have DNA. So. Okay. Well. Cool. So back to um, what we're talking about in discipleship, and you talk about how it takes prayer, requires prayer. Discipleship requires love above mm-hmm. all. Um, as people who love to get in and love to study and love to like unveil truths and show them to people and stuff it can be easy to miss this fact that love requires or discipleship requires love and we're not talking about the like love everything kind of very cheap love we're talking about the same love that christ displayed us sacrificial love very intentional so in a discipleship relationship it will take sacrifice it should take sacrifice because it's hard and it's really important and you need to love the person you're discipling them it takes the love of christ in you to share that love with the person because if you can teach them how to say the right words to the lord and, and get the right things out of scripture and how to you know uh invest their time the right way that's all those are all good things but if they don't have the love of christ the very thing that without love you're nothing mm-hmm. without that it it's nothing. It's pointless. Yeah. So in our quest to, to be disciple makers and to create discipleship culture, disciple making culture, we need to make sure that it is because of the love of Christ, the love he has poured out on us, not so that we can feel good about ourselves and we have a process, not so that just so that we can say, hey, we're doing what Christ has called us to do, but because of what Christ has done for us, how could we not then go? Now, you're not always going to feel like that. You're not just going to wake up like, ah, I have to disciple someone today. I have to get, you know. But as you are obedient and, and sharing the love of Christ and seeking out a person who you can walk with and pour into and hopefully finding someone who can pour into you, 
the basis of that relationship has to be the basis of our relationship with Christ, and that is his love for us and carrying that forward. Because without that, um, you're missing so much, and it can almost it can be damaging. It really is damaging without the love of Christ. Yeah, and, and for me, when I, when I see that, I'm reminded of the times where I was not loving towards people who I was trying to help uh, become disciples of Jesus. So, like, I, I think of people who I was really— you got a story for us? No, <laughs> not— no. Come on, Rob. <laughs> I mean, I've got things in mind, but I'm not going to share. Come on. Um, but like... These people are our family. Yeah, you guys are, but we're not that close family. We're like distant cousins. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, listeners to me, you're family. Yeah, to Rob, exactly. you're just... Rickle of Errol is You're cattle. Laundry. That's what you are. You're cattle to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, anyway, but like we're... With DNA. Where I get real... <laughs> with DNA. Where I get really excited about somebody coming to Christ... Yeah. And then I expect them to all of a sudden give up all of the this sins of their past life. Right. And I get frustrated when they continue to fall. And it's just a reminder of me that, hey, man, like true love mm-hmm. is going to be patient. Right. And this person, even though they're, they're taking steps, right now they're baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. And so their life isn't going to totally change in the snap of a finger yep. or in one week or even one year. I mean, there's going to be a process. Now, granted, yep. there's going to be consistent forward movement. You might take two steps forward and one step back. Or sometimes you might take two steps back, but then you might go one step forward. There's going to be times where you still fall. However, us as people who are trying to disciple others, we need to be patient. We need to understand that, hey, like this work as Rick and I believe completely in the absolute sovereignty of God in all things. And so that allows us to be patient, to mm-hmm. know that this yeah. is not so I was gonna say, yeah. This is not my work, not my ability to do this. I'm just trying to help and be the hands and feet of God as this person here tries to follow them more faithfully. I want to be a good resource. I want to be someone who encourages them, who pushes yeah. them along, who loves them, who's patient with them when they fall, who shows mm-hmm. the patience that Jesus had with his disciples, because his disciples certainly weren't perfect. I mean, I yes. want to be the person who has patience with this right. person as right. they as they walk. Yeah. Well, and and rem- remembering some people, it's it's a drastic change. Like they were like completely over here, then overnight the Lord brings them over here. Yeah, Paul. But the deeper work of 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 dying to yourself and not just changing behavior, but changing what you what you do when people are watching and when they're not watching. That takes work, mm-hmm. and as you said, you would lose patience with people who who seem like they weren't their appetites weren't changing enough. And for some people, I used to be this way. I would get frustrated because their behavior wasn't changing, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "You you got to behave like this because that's what I think indicates your heart's like this." But yet, I would be in sin or yeah. living in, in secret sin over things, and here I was trying to, to modify a behavior in someone out after that. I was going after that thing rather than getting their heart to love the Lord. Again, your behavior, your fruit, follows the work that Christ has done in you. Do not put your salvation or your identity in your good behavior that you're Christ-like, but rather in what Christ has done. Um, Because when you put it in what Christ has done, you're then free, and you're you're preaching to yourself that you're free from sin. Whereas if it's in your behavior, you can have the mentality or the ideology that you're still chained to your behavior. Mm Mm-hmm for your salvation or your identity or value. But yeah, so, so discipleship, there's a lot of things. We, we invest our time, we invest study, we, we invest in prayer. It requires that in 
it requires, it demands a love, love for Christ and a love for the people you're discipling, um, both on a, a broad level, whether it's like a Sunday gathering of the church or a community group level or a one-on-one relationship. All those things are required for those kinds of discipleship. Yeah, absolutely. So as we get ready to wind the episode down, let's go through Whoa. our head, heart, and hands here. So when it comes to our head, we should recognize that a Christian is a disciple. It's not that some Christians are not disciples and others are. If you are a Christian, then you— Are Catholics disciples? If they are not Orthodox Catholics. Mm. Tune in next week as we cover this. (laughs) Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, um, we'll see. But anyway— Catholics, um, Christians, the divide. That's what we're— Bub, bub, bub. Yeah, teaser. Anyway, um, and so all Christians are disciples— if you claim to be a Christian and you find yourself not following Jesus, then you're just not a disciple and you're not a Christian. So, well, we, hold on, clarify that because that could be like taken the wrong way. You're okay. saying if you're a, if you confess with your mouth, yeah, but there's in no other ways or evidence or in your own heart a conviction, yeah, James about, too about Christ, then you're not a, yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. You can say all day that you're a Christian, yeah, like so many people in America actually right, do, right. okay, yes, but if there's no fruit, yes, scripture says you know them by the fruits. If there's no fruit, yeah. then you're just you're not. So, um, but then also disciples. That's good. Yeah, disciples are called to make disciples. Mm-hmm. We want to be people who, who as disciples make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciple makers. I mean that that whole yeah. process. You're not a fully. I keep saying fully formed. I mean we're not going to be like fully sanctified or anything until we're in glory. However, um, a faithful disciple is going to be someone who is actively trying to make more disciples. Yes. yes. So, so um, not only are Christians all disciples, but they are also called to make more disciples. Mm-hmm. Rick, take awesome. it away with the heart. Our heart, our conviction. Um, if we aren't convinced that this is a priority, then it won't happen. Ultimately, we have to be convinced in our heart, not just the preacher told me to, or I read it somewhere in a book, but like, in our heart, like, this is what Christ has called me to do. And when we talk about vocation, um, this is something that, side note, Martin Luther, the, the whole Reformation came out of this, that everyone's vocation is, is holy and God has called you to that work. So whether you're a mail carrier or a pastor or you drive a truck or, you know, you bag groceries at the grocery store or you're an accountant, whatever, if Christ, what, what he has brought you to as a vocation, if that's your your work. That is your calling. And so in every way you're to serve the Lord and make disciples in the midst of that. And this is something that you have to be convinced in your heart, convicted of if you're not doing it. I have to be making disciples. I have to be pouring into someone. And it's probably not going to be glamorous. You're not going to get fanfare. Maybe no one's going to notice. But the idea is walking along someone, a believer, until they um, we keep saying independently dependent until they are can be independent of maybe you. Not doesn't mean they don't need community, but they don't need someone right beside them. And they're but and they're completely dependent upon the Lord, right? Yeah. And then that person goes and does the same thing for someone else. They go make another disciple, and then that person makes a disciple, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But it has to, it starts with our heart, a yeah. conviction in our heart from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And then when it comes to our hands, um, simply we should be looking for ways to actively um, disciple others and then also actively be discipled by someone else. And so um, when it comes to like your your next steps, I mean, try to just 
find somebody in your church. I mean, look at the low-hanging fruit, someone who maybe who has come to you before with questions mm-hmm. or someone who is a new believer who you have a relationship with. Like, find ways to be like, hey, man, like every other Saturday, let's meet up at breakfast and we can right. go over a book together or we can read through the Gospel of John or we can read right. through Esther together. What, yeah. I mean, go through passages and just be like, hey, okay, so this is what yeah. the text says. This is what it meant that time. Here's how it translates to today, a different culture, but still same primary points. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's try to do this yeah. together. Yeah, and if you're coming from a church background that does not have much of a discipleship culture, it could seem odd if you're like, hey, man, uh, let, will you be my disciple or let me disciple you? But it, when you can kind of um, just kind of be a little more chill, like, hey, let's meet up. Let's walk through this book. Or let's get up, meet together and pray. And, and just be very simple and just start doing something mm-hmm. with Christ and the scriptures at the center of it mm-hmm. um, with the motive of I'm going to help this person become more like Christ. In that process, I need great, great humility. I don't know everything. I'm simply trying to be a mirror of Christ to this person. And in that process, Christ will also grow me. So be have great humility, be humble, and um, be faithful to the, the process of discipleship. Yeah, and, and some churches, and I actually love this, they, they have discipleship groups. Mm-hmm. So they have like their community groups, and then within that, they have discipleship groups where they're like, hey, look, when we gather together as a community group, like we're that's intentional. Like we're trying to grow together as a community, as a body, as, in our relationships. We are trying to become more uh, faithful disciples of Jesus. However, then you go to the discipleship group, and it's like, all right, here's what we're going through. This is with the explicit purpose of us becoming faithful disciples, of us becoming more like mm-hmm. our Savior. And I and I love that because I think I think discipleship is done best in the context of a of a very small group. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you just see Jesus. He had his mm-hmm. his group of twelve, and then he had his even smaller group of three. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and those were like his right hand guys, and so. To take that model, that way you guys can you guys can be very open with each other. Yes. You can you don't have to share it with a with a larger group of ten or fifteen people, but maybe mm-hmm. it's just a few of you. Like, hey, this is where I am struggling. This is the area of my life where I am not yeah. being a faithful disciple. Right. I need prayer. I need help. I need the scriptures to inform this. I and sometimes I know what the scriptures say, but I just can't seem to bring myself to obey what the scriptures say, whatever it is, I mean, mm-hmm. that is the, your opportunity to gather as a very small group and just try to become disciples of our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing is is to, to be humble, trust the Lord, go do it. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Always um, enjoy having you guys around. And hopefully if you have any other stuff you want us to cover or talk about, you can Leave a comment um, on our website, simpletheology.org. You can connect with us even through iTunes. You can leave us a rating, leave us a review. We appreciate both. Tell others about the show. Tell others about the show. Um, Also, in case you forgot, we still have our thing with audible.com where you can get a free audiobook. We get some support. Works out both ways. If you don't know, it's springtime. Some of you guys might be spending some time on the lawnmower. Need mm-hmm. a good book to work through? So go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. Sign up for a subscription there. If you love it, great. If you don't like it after a month, you can cancel. And we get a tiny kickback for that. And this, guys, this podcast is ran on nickels and dimes. So any kickback, <laughs> any kickback's a big help. We appreciate it. Appreciate yep. you guys. Yeah, you guys are the best. Go make disciples. Peace. Peace.